Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. Over the last few episodes on Security Insights, we've looked more deeply at the skills gap facing the cybersecurity industry. There's no doubt that there is a worldwide shortage of cyber professionals at all levels. And there's a range of possible causes, from issues in the education system to a lack of diversity and even the sometimes difficult and challenging nature of cybersecurity work. As we bring this series to a close, this episode looks at the challenges individual organisations face in filling their vacancies, the so-called hiring gap. Our guest this week is Michael Smith, Field CTO at Newstar Security Services. He argues that the issue is not just one of skills. Are organisations able to attract the right people to work for them? And once they are hired, do they do enough to develop their careers? It almost starts with hiring, right? You have to look at the the labour market for um, for cybersecurity specialists is, is very broken because security managers like me um, you know, I've, I've been in this field for 30 years, so I've hired people, um, fired people, um, done all that. Um, but we, we know that we need somebody and we have a wide range of jobs that we want to have done, but we can only hire one person, right? We only have enough budget to hire one person. And so we want to time slice them out across four or five different jobs that are completely different. Okay. So like one job might be, we need somebody who can help us with PCI DSS and deal with the auditors. We also need somebody who can do malware reverse engineering. And we need somebody who can help train our SOC operators. And we need somebody who can do source code review and we can only hire one person. So we want to find somebody who can do these four absolutely different tasks and and it's not going to be successful to find somebody like that, right? Um, there are only a couple of people on the planet. And when you find people that have that exact mix of skills, you want them to be affordable, right? And um, this is becoming less of an issue, but, and they need to be within commuting distance of an office, right? And you're just not going to be able to find people like that very easily. And so, um, that does create this gap. So you have to look at it as maybe I can hire somebody who has two of these skills, right? find somebody who has two of these skills and then do some kind of a training plan or load balancing with the rest of the team in order to onboard them or upskill them to the other two or three jobs that you need them to have. And so it's a completely different strategy where on the hiring side, almost what you're looking for is people, people that you can stand, right? So they're, they're good people. They know a lot of things, maybe not the exact things that you, that you're hiring for in all spaces, but then they like to learn and they can acquire new skills very quickly. And those are the people that, that really you're looking for. So you're not, for the most part, you're not um, putting out the traditional hiring process where you create a job rec, you put it out, 
you know, you post it on your website, you find people, you hire them. It's almost like you have to do soft interviews and understand people in your community because information security is a small community. And so when you have a need, you really know who it is that you can trust and who is who has that appetite for learning. And then those are the people that you go talk to, and then you build a job description specifically around them. Okay. Now there are exceptions to that. I think um, some entry-level positions, they might be specialized in one area, but as soon as you get mid or senior career, you really don't have a lot of specialization. You have to have many, many different skills. Um, and we have to be able to develop you as as talent or develop you as an employee. And that's a skill that most security people don't have a lot of background in. Okay. Um, right. We, we just, we just don't, we're in this for the tech, maybe not for the managing people parts, but about five years ago, the, the CISOs of the world and security managers of the world realized that, that the two biggest problems that they have in life, the first one is budget. And we have ways to deal with, with budget. But the second one is in hiring. And we realize that we need to start creating this talent pipeline, even if we're not hiring right now, but to have people that we, we know that we could hire if and when that, you know, we, we become to the place where we do need to hire folks. Thank you for painting that picture, because I think that makes it quite tangible in terms of how you see it from an organizational point of view as an employer. But would you say there is a distinction between hiring challenges, finding the right person to fill the right role in information security, and the wider question of whether there is a skills shortage? We cause a lot of problems ourselves, right? Because we don't necessarily know. <laughs> it's very overly broad statements, right? but we don't necessarily know how to hire people and do talent development. And so that creates a problem. We also have this expectation that when we hire somebody, we're just going to parachute them into parachute them into a security operations center and that they'll just pick up everything and automatically know and be able to function from day one. And that's also not, you know, it's not a realistic expectation. And so when I was in Singapore, so I lived in Singapore 2015 through 2018, um, and I was a security CTO for a, for a different vendor. Um, but one of the interesting things that happened at the time was Singapore released their national threats, national strategy for cybersecurity. And it had five components. But one of those components was what they call ecosystem. And that means two different things. Um, one of them, or one of the things that it means is that um, they would have native, so Singapore-based cybersecurity companies um, that could service their industries and that could hire people. The other piece was talent development. So it was interesting to me that they approached talent development um, and basically creating a workforce that these cybersecurity employers would want to hire 
that the other core industries of Singapore, so banking, shipping, um, some IT and tech, but that they would actually have employees they would want to hire. And so they really treat talent development and sort of addressing this skills gap as a national level strategic priority. And I think in the US where we know this, um, we know this and we've known this for a long time um, and we've done a lot of things behind the scenes, but we haven't come out explicitly and said, yes, this is, this is one of our key metrics for success is in order to create that workforce. Right. And part of that's because of the like government philosophies and things. Um, but CISA, so the um, um, CISA, um, they're part of DHS. They're the top level cybersecurity agency or administration inside of um, inside of the U.S. government. They've done a lot of things on talent development, workforce development. Um, a phenomenal example is NICE, which is a it's a mapping of um, jobs or job descriptions and that knowledge, skills, and abilities are what do you do in that job and mapping that out. And then they built a career pathways tool. So you could say, oh yeah, I'm a system administrator or I'm in um, financial systems audit or I'm in the intelligence world and I want to get into this career field. What are the roles that are adjacent to what I already know and you know what's the difference in skills? What do I have to learn to actually get there? Now it's very um, fundamental, like I don't know, like theory slash um, basic fundamentals of kind of doing the doing the homework to map all this out. I expect to see um, a lot of different tools, education. Um, a lot of things mapped against that to come out in the future. So would you draw a distinction then between the qualifications and the educational background that's needed to do a job in cyber, actually to fill a vacancy within the industry, and those that are needed to enable someone to build a career in it? Um, so yes, um, education will always lack behind um, what, what the current state of the art is. Fantastic example. In my spare time, I teach a cybersecurity boot camp through a, a company called ThriveDX. Okay? And they white label 11 month cybersecurity boot camps to universities. Right. So, a couple of interesting things there. Um, one is that the universities say, yes, we can create a four year cybersecurity curriculum, not a problem. This is our. This is what we do, um, but there are some some issues with that. One is it takes four years to grow somebody, so that's really good if you just completed um, secondary school um, or high school in the U.S. Um, that's really good for those folks um, because it gives them other skills, but maybe not necessarily good for working adults. Um, where they're already out in the workforce and so they need evening classes and they just need to learn the specific pieces of cybersecurity. Um, so there's that. Another component of it is 
learning from people that are actively in the career field. Okay. So um, last night I had a um, careers workshop with my students and we talked over what is a cybersecurity interview like look like? What's our normal hiring process? We all break that model, but what's the model for our hiring process? How do you actually make connections and do networking at all of the mini conferences that we have? What are things that you should do, right? So little tips like volunteer for, um, for a conference as a speaker handler or a room monitor because that's how you meet the most the most people and the most senior folks um, where people wouldn't normally think to do that. Um, so we add a lot of our, our experience in the field in our training. And then more specific to your question, um, I, I have a class starting up on Saturday um, that is an IoT security class. Okay. Well, IoT security means a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, it's very much cutting edge and it changes so fast that most curriculum, even ours has problems with it. And we revise ours, you know, on a, on a monthly basis, but curriculum lags behind what the actual state of the art in that particular technology or that topic is. And so you're always trying to play catch up and it's a good um, selling point to have instructors that are doing this on a day-to-day -day basis. So they say, oh, well, let's talk about the thing that happened last week. Okay. So for example, this week is um, um, Interpol did a ton of takedown and arrests in this large campaign in order to take down a lot of fraudsters and scammers, right? So let's talk about like what happened. Let's talk about maybe pieces where my company was involved. Um, and that's a huge piece that's added there. So I think there is definitely a place for universities. I think there's a place for a four-year cybersecurity degree. I think there's a place for um, boot camp done right. Not all boot camps are done right, but boot camps done right. I think there's a place for taking people with, um, with tangential skills. Um, so project management, IT systems administration, network engineering, um, financial systems audit. Um, but taking these people with these skills and then upskilling them with the bit that they need to actually function inside of cybersecurity. There will always be room for improvement because you're dealing with people, right? And you have to, you have to bootstrap your employees' skills. So it's always, oh, we work on this and improve this piece. Okay, now we'll work on this and improve this piece. And in this career field and in IT in general, things change so fast that a, as soon as you learn something, there's something new. Right. Um, and it's good. And it, it, like the career field attracts people who like that change and like to constantly learn. But on the other hand is 
if you don't like to change and learn new skills and try a different job description and expand your scope, you're going to have a hard time in this career field. Back to your question, there's always something that's new that you have to learn. And because of that, it's almost just baked into the industry where you'll always have a hard time finding people that can do all of the skills that you need because, you know, maybe nobody else has done these, right? And I've made much of a career out of going to the area where there's a vacuum, right? There's a skills gap, a knowledge gap, um, right? And there's a difference between knowledge, skills, and abilities, right? Um, but where there's a knowledge, skills, and abilities gap, figuring out what needs to exist in that space and then teaching other people how to do it, right? And, and that's been kind of my career model, maybe not for everybody, <laughs> but it's something that I'm, I'm actually really good at. Um, I think there is, like, we need more people who can do that kind of thing um, and figure out, figure out how to do stuff given a greenfields environment. So you did some survey work earlier in the year, which was done by your International Security Council, and it highlighted some of the areas where there are particular hiring challenges. So let's see if we can tie those into the skills and attributes. I think the top one was people with cloud security skills, then network operations, application development security skills, and actually relatively few. I was only about a quarter seemed to be looking for DevSecOps, which was slightly surprising. Uh, do you think that's a generally accurate picture? I can understand why cloud is still there. But again, cloud isn't particularly new. So if we're struggling to hire people with cloud skills, that suggests the industry maybe needs to invest more in either retaining those people or building up that expertise. What struck you when you saw these research results? So as an organization, we have three core products. Okay. And I'm, I'm, this isn't a product pitch, but you need to understand this a little bit. So we're very heavy in DNS. We're very heavy in DDoS mitigation, and we're relatively heavy in web application firewall. Okay. So normally what we do is we sit in front of servers, right? So web servers, DNS servers, public facing resources and protect them from endpoints behaving badly. Okay. So we protect them from desktops, laptops, other servers that are attacking them. A huge chunk of the industry is built around sitting in front of endpoints. So desktops, laptops, uh, mobile devices, and protecting them from servers behaving badly. So phishing attacks, um, download droppers, malware command and control, um, but protecting that, you know, protecting the endpoint and the enterprise and the data that's inside of it from things that are out on the internet. And so it's always interesting to me as an infrastructure guy, when we have gaps in skills, um, gaps in, in, you know, knowledge, skills, and abilities um, around things that are, you know, infrastructure, hosting, server, um, server and infrastructure uh, sort of, of topics, cloud security fits in there, 
Um, actually, a lot of that, right? So AppSec, um, even DevSecOps fits into there. Um, DDoS mitigation, um, just anything that's infrastructure-wise, because I can go talk to our peer organizations, and most of them are, you know, they're focused on that that enterprise kind of footprint where I'm five percent of what they do on a daily basis, but that 5% is massively scaled. And to what extent is this actually not anybody's fault? Because something that, again, was highlighted in your research was actually how much of an increase we've seen in the need to support applications online, for example, digitization, and that only accelerated during the pandemic. So even if the measures that we started to put in place back in the middle of the last decade worked and there's evidence that actually they had, we would still be in a difficult position because the requirement has accelerated and it's accelerated very rapidly at just the same time as people have been saying, oh, I don't really want to work anymore. I want to work fewer hours. And in aggregate across an economy, that has a similar effect. Yeah, that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating dynamic, right? Um, because our, our demand our demand for cybersecurity practitioners is increasing. It's definitely increasing faster than our supply, but then you have all these people that are leaving the workforce, um, you know, voluntarily or, or not. Um, and like there, these, these trends are heading in different directions, right? You'd think they would, they would be complementary to each other as, as people say, you know, I'm, I really need to reskill myself um, into being a cybersecurity practitioner. It's almost like a groundswell of, of something needs to happen, right? Um, we've got lots of point solutions, um, or as a CTO, I'd say that we've got lots of point solutions. Um, and by that, what I mean is we've got training, we've got a lot of training providers that are out there. Um, they are, for the most part, expensive. Right. And the, the trick is how do you drive down the price point for it and still keep the quality high? Um, and then I think another question is how do you create the amount of throughput? Right. Um, how do you train as many people as possible into this career field? And and honestly, I don't know. I think that's that's where the huge gap is at. And to some extent, then, could we be victims of our own success because the technology industry has done actually a remarkable job? And you can't understate that. It's done a remarkable job of keeping economies going during very difficult times. If we'd done that 10 years ago, it would not have been possible. But as a result of that, we've got more digitization, more online workflows, more flexible working environments, and all that increases the requirement for good IT security. So even if our baseline was we had all the vacancies filled in 2019, we would still have a skills shortage today. And that's actually not singling anyone out for criticism. It's actually because we've done our jobs well. It's the security industry that's enabled some of these technologies to actually work. Yes, um, with a caveat. And that caveat is that... Um, in the <laughs> there's a meme that was running around which was what was who was who led the digitization and movement online and all of the innovation um, of your IT services right and it was like CEO CIO CISO COVID right 
Um, so in, in 2020, everything started to move online and, um, we've been operating business as usual for a long time in the cybersecurity world. Um, because we were, we had a set of controls that were built around on-premises inside your firewall, um, um, personal computing devices, right? So not like designed for a person, right? So not personally owned. Um, and, you know, inside of your building. And that's a phenomenally good set of controls. And we've been doing that for, you know, 25, 30 years, okay? Um, ever since we started networking things. And so we were very, very comfortable with that. And we had lots of skills, um, job positions, roles that were built around that particular mode of operation. And then, um, like with like with IoT, like with cloud, um, COVID was very disruptive because a lot of people had to figure out how to support a suddenly remote workforce. There wasn't any gradual scaling, you know, like, hey, let's do 5%. Uh, you know, 5% remote, see how that works. Now let's do 10%. It was basically, okay, everybody is now remote. And we had to solve a lot of issues. So um, a lot of people had computers in their office. They didn't have laptops. They didn't have anything that was portable. So now you have to figure out how do I get a device to that person and bulk order, you know, bulk, bulk order laptops and send them to your employees or figure out how to do maybe a VDI or some kind of policy enforcement on their own personally owned IT assets. We had problems with scalability of remote access. Um, so, you know, a lot of people were using VPNs, but it wasn't everybody in the company, it was only a select amount of people and only for particular uses. And now suddenly everybody's remote and trying to VPN in and it overloaded their VPN concentrators and, and their network bandwidth. And there were lots of things there that were the other DNS, which is does not scale. And so we had to learn how to deal outside of this business as usual IT security environment, we had to learn new skills again, right? And new skills in remote computing, in cloud-based services, in um, SASE, so remote access, in um, uh, site reliability engineering, because suddenly all of our applications that were internal Right. And they're, you know, you access them across the land, not a problem. Suddenly they're now internet connected or internet accessed websites. And we had to figure out how to actually increase the resiliency and survivability of those systems. And so that has done a lot to force people to think about new ways and still keep some kind of principles of security up and operating without just completely throwing out all of the, uh, the baby out with the bathwater, right? I believe that people are a lot more adaptable than they give themselves credit for. They know what needs to be done. It's just how do they get the time to actually 
learn new things? How do they get time to try new things? Um, how do they get access to information to learn new skills? And I think that almost is going to be what defines the, the new information security, which is how much time can I give my folks and, and resources? Can I give my folks in order to help them develop skills to arrive with those skills before we need those skills? New Star Security Services Field CTO Michael Smith on the need to find the right people for the right roles in cybersecurity and how the industry needs to continue to work in order to keep up with the expanding digital nature of business. That though is all for this episode of Security Insights. We'll be back on Wednesday, September the 7th when we'll discuss how to avoid a security breach turning into an organizational disaster. We hope you can join us then. Meanwhile, you can, of course, catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.